what is one word that comes to your mind when you think of the word influencer? Um, followers. Instagram. Endorsement. Popular. Positive. Aware. Impact. Hi, I'm Devin. And I'm Annalise. This is Careers in Marketing, a Gonzaga podcast. Annalise, do you remember when we were first sitting down to kind of figure out what our final podcast would be about? Yeah, there were a ton of options that we had talked about, but I think the one that really spoke to us was influencer marketing. Yeah, I think influencer marketing is something that is so kind of idolized in our culture today, but there's so many mysteries behind it, and it's so hard to kind of understand what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. I mean, I follow influencers on Instagram, but I don't really understand, like, where they came from or how even they got started or anything like that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, like, what would I even do if I wanted to become an influencer? I have no idea. So now that we have decided that influencer marketing is the topic for this podcast, how are we going to know what we're both talking about when we say the word influencer? What's our main definition? Right. So even though there's a lot of different types and some are paid and some aren't, our definition for this episode is going to be influencers are someone who is getting paid by a brand to post something on their behalf that is persuading or influencing the people who follow said influencer um, will be intrigued by it possibly go to. Yeah, totally. And I think it's really important to point out that a lot of people think of like Instagram as being the main space for influencers, but really influencers can be writing blog posts. They can be on Facebook, Twitter. They can be really in any sort of social media atmosphere. All right. So now that we know a little bit about what an influencer is, um, let's just kind of get down to the nitty gritty of the details behind being an influencer so that we're all on the same page. I think one of the things that I'm most curious about is how an influencer gets paired with a brand or company. Yeah, this is a huge part of their job. So it can go in two ways. They either have a middleman agency set up a brand who needs an influencer and they get reached out to, or it can go the other way where a brand reaches out to the influencer directly and asks them to sponsor their brand. Another huge question we had though is how do they go about making money by doing this? Yeah, it's really interesting. Actually, being an influencer is a full-time job for a lot of these people. A lot of times they either get paid based on the number of posts they make, so they get paid for each post, or they get paid on their metrics. So how many likes they're getting, how many comments they're getting, really like how much interaction they're having with the consumer. And something that we found really interesting was that not all of the posts they're posting are paid content. Yeah, exactly. It almost seemed like just about a quarter to a third of their posts are paid content. And the other part of that is just their normal life. They're still a person posting about what they do and about themselves. Yeah, it's just really fascinating how much of their life we see online and how they've made it a full-time job. So Devin, you just said that being an influencer is a full-time job, but as a consumer, I only see the pictures they post. Yeah, it's really interesting actually. There's so much going on behind the scenes and every day for an influencer is different. I would say there's probably not a typical day to day. When we were talking to all these influencers, we kind of figured out that there's two parts to their job. There's the content creation part and then there's the business part. So in the content creation part, that includes having meetings with the brands that they're working for to make sure that they are on brand as an influencer and that they're communicating what that brand really wants. They also have collaborations where they go to these brands and take photos or create content with them. And then kind of on a similar note, they have photo shoots where they have to go and set up the scene and really make sure that they get all the content they want. 
And then lastly, they have to edit all of this content to make sure that it's on brand with their image as an influencer and really flows well with everything else they're posting. Kind of the business side of that is that they have to answer emails and keep up with their finances and contracts to make sure that they're respecting what their own brand is as well as either the product or the brand that they're promoting is. Yeah, exactly. So really, it is a full-time job. There's so much going on behind the scenes that we might not see as a consumer, but without that stuff going on, I really don't think that it would be the same. When we sat down with our guests, we had three main questions. The first one was about how brands and influencers get paired for a collaboration. Yeah, totally. And then we were really curious about how people that are interested in getting into the influencer marketing industry could do so, whether they are a recent college graduate that wants to be an influencer themselves, or if they are a college student that's looking into going into behind the scenes of influencer marketing. What do we do? And our last main question was about authenticity and how we know that what influencer posting is real and how much of it we can trust. Today we sat down with three professionals in the influencer marketing space to learn more about how they got started, what they do, how they stay authentic, and what advice they have for aspiring influencers. Traditional ways of marketing are somewhat of the past, and here in 2019, influencer marketing is how brands build trust with their consumers. First, we talked to Emily, a Gonzaga grad who works at a social media agency in San Francisco. I am Emily Piskulik. I graduated from Gonzaga in 2014, and I'm a senior producer at an influencer marketing agency in San Francisco called Collectively. So my job is to kind of bring together the company, uh, whatever brand wants to get the word out about a product or whatever else, and that person. Um, I'm kind of the middleman between those two people to get those posts up. So our clients are technically the companies, the brands. So mine right now are, I work with Uber, Facebook, I've worked with fashion brands before. Um, and then we have like a select community of influencers that we work with. We have like tens of thousands of influencers. So we then go out to our community and find the best ones for each brand, depending on their project. Now that we talked to Emily, who works more behind the scenes, we wanted to reach out to a couple of gals who are influencers themselves. First, we spoke with a local Spokane celebrity, Chandler from Spokane Eats. Yes, so my name is Chandler Baird. I run a local food and lifestyle blog called Spokane Eats. It's kind of turned into more of an entertainment website. Um, We talk about everything from dining, events, beauty, nature, health, fashion, all kind of cover everything local. And we just like to talk about things that we find interesting. We were curious about how influencers find brands to connect with if they don't use an agency. Everyone handles this differently, and it depends on the platform and size of brand. Chandler has experience outsourcing to find clients, but now she does it on her own. Um, I did hire a local salesperson probably about two years ago, and she was doing, I don't do any outreach, so I'm not trying to find my clients, which I really should be. I just don't have time. So she was doing that for me, and it was really, really helpful at the beginning of kind of really trying to grow the business. Um, So I would pay her a commission based on clients that she booked for collaborations. Um, And then I kind of just found that most of the clients were coming to me directly, and I was sending them over to her. So it wasn't necessarily that she was, you know, finding these collaborations. She was just kind of facilitating. 
So when I quit my job and went full-time as Bokinis, I realized that I could do that myself. Um, but she did an amazing job of reaching out and finding new collaborations and just even just making connections in the market and finding brands that wanted to work with us. Um, so I, I did have her, but I've never worked with an actual firm or an agency to find collaboration just because I haven't found the right fit. I'm not totally against it, but at this point, what I'm doing is so local focused that I don't feel like there's an agency or a firm that would kind of be in line with what I'm trying to build, if that makes sense. We also talked to Cassandra, a 2002 Gonzaga grad who is currently an interior and travel content creator in Seattle. Uh, my name is Cassandra LaBelle, and I am the founder and creative director of Coco Kelly, which is a lifestyle site and blog. Um, I guess you could call me an influencer, um, if you like that term. Uh, it's not one of my favorites, but um, yeah, I've, I've been doing this for almost 12 years, so I've been around a long time. Um, okay, we both just looked at each other. We're curious why you're not super in love with the term influencer. <laughs> well, I, it is a very accurate term. I think, um, you know, just like when blogging started and then everybody's like, oh, you're a blogger. And then with Instagram and all these other social platforms, um, it's changed into, oh, you're an influencer. And I, I think you get lumped in to a very large group of people when you, you know, have to adopt this term. And I don't really love the way that everybody uses their platforms. I also think it sounds like you're always selling something like uh, an influencer is there only to, um, you know, promote kind of. So I, I'm much more of a creative person and I love using my platform for creative inspiration. And if I had to pick a word, I would, I would rather go with that more with an inspiration platform. Clearly influencer marketing is a big thing. We were curious about how someone could get into it and we decided to ask the experts. So I would say first figure out like what you're passionate about um, or what like a need that you're going to fill. So I wasn't necessarily passionate about food when I started, but I had traveled a ton. I had always, you know, loved food, of course. Um, so that was something that I liked, but it was more a need that I was filling and a way to reach the people. So figure out whether it's something you're really passionate about that you want to talk about and share with other people and, you know, be excited about for a long period of time, find that thing and really focus on that or figure out something that's missing in the market and try and fill that. And then um, obviously just staying consistent and creating really great content and putting yourself out there is really important um, when I first started I didn't have my picture anywhere I didn't talk about myself or my life or anything and you just kind of realize pretty quickly that people don't want to follow a brand they want to follow a person and they want to feel like they know you and like your friends 
Cassandra agrees that you have to be passionate about whatever space you're in and explains the work behind the beauty we see online. There, the space, you know, Instagram, blogging, whatever, you, it's so saturated right now that you really have to have an, a unique perspective, a point of view, um, and, and also everybody has said this since day one with any platform, but you really have to be yourself. Um, because if you're not, you're going to be exhausted by doing it all the time. Um, I, and, and allow yourself to grow too. Um, I feel like my platform has stayed the same in subject matter, but has changed a ton over the past, you know, especially a few years. Um, and, and so it's, it's a lot more work, I think, than people realize. It's incredibly fun if you can be successful at it. But it's really, really hard to break into because there's so many people doing it already. So I think um, don't make that maybe your like first plan <laughs> or of like making a career out of something because um, it's going to take a while unless you just hit the jackpot magically, you know, blow up with followers. But that's that's pretty rare these days. So Chandler and Cassandra had some great advice for people who want to become an influencer, but what about working behind the scenes where you have to pair influencers with brands? We decided to ask Emily, given that this is what she does every day. So how did you get into the agency side of influencer marketing? I, so after I graduated from Gonzaga, I actually worked in-house at two different companies in San Francisco. So one was a tech company and one was an e-commerce site. And I started to kind of realize in those roles that I loved the social media aspect of my job that I was really passionate about. I I loved it, but I didn't really like working just for one brand. I kind of got bored. So at each company after I would say like a year and a half, I started to feel like I needed to move on. I was tired of talking about the same brand all day. So I liked the idea that at an agency I could work across anywhere from kind of three to seven brands at a time. There's always something new. I work with tech, I work with fashion, sometimes beauty. It never really gets boring and I really like that. So I've been in my current role now for about two years. Part of why influencer marketing works so well is because consumers truly trust influencers and sometimes even think of them as their friends. But Annalise and I are wondering, is this trust real and is it authentic? One of the most impactful things we heard is Emily explaining how many influencers are turning down business to keep the integrity of their brand and stay authentic. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, people think that influencers are like their friends in in a way. And influencers, I think, have done something that no brand has really been able to in that they have these loyal communities that really trust their guidance and their advice when it comes to products. Um, Okay, so that's really interesting. So I'm curious, like, how you see kind of, like, authenticity play out within those, like, trusting relationships. Like, I think sometimes my skepticism just as a consumer, I'm like, well, if they're getting paid to, like, like a product, like, how do I know if that's real? How have you kind of seen that challenge, like, play out? And, like, how do you respond to it? It's a great question. I think something that we do it collectively, and I know a lot of other agencies do, is when we have a, a brand that approaches us with a product, 
we kind of survey our network of influencers to see who's interested in participating. And a lot of the time people say no. So Mm. I think on the back end, it's interesting for me to see how many people turn away a project if it's not a good fit for them. And I think we pay for most of our programs, so they're turning away money. Um, And I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle that a lot of people I think don't know happens on the back end. We're not just reaching out to everyone saying work on this project and you know an influencer's never heard of the brand before and has no interest and is saying yes that doesn't happen um it's really kind of a conversation between us and the influencer to make sure it's a good fit and that it's authentic and i think um that's kind of what makes it so successful and i think that's why influencer marketing is so successful for a lot of brands honestly because it's about that matchmaking component Chandler had thoughts on this as well. Um, something that we've heard over and over again is like saying no. You have like you have to say no as an influencer. So. Oh yeah. Um, Big time, and it's hard when you know you get an email from a brand and they say we want to pay you X dollars to talk about this, and you're like, that's so easy, I could totally do that. But is it worth my brand? No. What do you base that off of? Just like they don't align with your values or like they want too much marketing than you're willing to post or like what are some of those those lines? Yeah, so it varies. It's definitely both of those things you mentioned. They don't align with my values. They want too much of me, too many deliverables. Um, or it's simply I've had an experience with that brand and it wasn't great, so I don't want to recommend that. Um, or... Let's see what else. I mean, I like I said, I like to keep things local, and that's not to say I don't work with national brands also. But um, if I'm going to work with a national brand, it needs to you know have a purpose, and it needs to be a product that I'm already using or something that I was looking for, not just like a random phone case company that you know I don't really love. Cassandra also touched on the importance of being authentic, especially when it comes to showing your vulnerabilities. Um, that said, I do think that people want to know who you are and being like a little bit more vulnerable or out there and sharing stuff beyond your comfort zone can be really beneficial and um and a way for people to connect because there are, you know, if you're following all these people, but then you get, you see somebody's story or caption that's um, maybe a little bit more like, I'm questioning this, are you questioning this? Or I've been feeling this way. And um, I think there's a lot of people out there who also abuse that. And I think it's really important that when you're being authentic, you are also being um productive with it if that's if that word makes sense and creating a space that is also positive and being able to be like look this is my real life my kitchen is a total mess right now there's dishes in the sink like it doesn't always look pretty but I'm also really blessed for like what I do and I'm not complaining because privilege right so I think there's a lot more to be aware of these days when you're being authentic online. Um, I guess is my point. (laughs) Um, It goes way beyond like, I'm gonna be authentic because, and and in a way that still feels comfortable to me, 
versus I'm going to be authentic and and put put myself out there while also being very aware of my privilege, where I'm coming from. After talking with these three hardworking, dedicated, and successful women, we can tell that traditional marketing is changing and the world of influencers is something to pay attention to. Emily sums it all up by talking about the benefit of influencer marketing. Honestly, the biggest is that people trust influencers more than they trust brands. We talked about it earlier a little bit, but I think if you're a brand with some new product launch coming up, your best bet is going to be working with an influencer to get that message out, and it, and it works. So that's exciting. It's exciting working in an industry where you can actually say the proof is in the pudding. Today's episode was produced by Annalise Ellison and edited by Devin Smith. Music courtesy of Music Box Licensing. Download other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.